let the Lord your God with your heart and with all your soul, with your might. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Nailed it. 10 out of 10. Nice work. I like it uh, a lot better when the little ones do it than the big ones. They just seem to do a really good job. So, Well, hey, good morning. How are we doing? Good. I do have to say before we start, it is my sister's birthday, so please em- embarrass her. So she loves it when the attention is on her, so be sure to, to say happy birthday there. <laughs> We're not going to sing. I'm not going to lead us in singing. We're just, that's too far. It's too, too much. But uh, man, God is working so much. I mean, just this morning, we can just see, don't let anybody tell you that God is not active in our community because he is so active. Uh, we're in our, let's see, fourth week of our Renovate series, and we've been really talking about this command that Jesus says is the most important command, and we figure if Jesus says it's most important, we ought to spend some time there. He says, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's the most important command. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how can we form our mind under love of God. And then last week we talked about the heart. How can we form the heart under love of God? And this week we're going to talk about the body. How can we form the body under love of God? And now this one's very tricky to talk about. Because religious people, we mess this topic up all the time. It's easy to go one of two directions. One is more of a legalistic nature. And then the other is a, you know what, Jesus has paid it all, everything's permissible, it's fine, his grace covers it, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. And you've probably in your life seen both of these extremes. As a kid, I had this uh, constant battle. Do I go with the quote-unquote good kids, the more kind of legalistic Christian friends, or do I go with the party kids? Again, sorry mom and dad, but... Do I go with the party kids? Which one is it? And I found myself going back and forth, back and forth. And I knew that I ought to be with the quote-unquote good kids. But the problem was they were just, well, to be honest, lame in a lot of ways. (laughs) I mean, they were always like giving me their like, be a good boy list. Don't listen to this music. Don't say those words. Don't be around these people. Don't get your chicken from anywhere but Chick-fil-A because that's the Lord's chicken, right? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding on that last one. Things like that, though, right? Princess Bride, that's another one. How does the Princess Bride make it into Christian circles is what I want to know. Somebody tell me that. But it's like you got to make Princess Bride your favorite movie when you become a Christian. That's just kind of the way it is. Man, I must be preaching this morning. You guys are... So, but yeah, no, I'm kidding about that last one too, but, but there was this idea, and I, in fact, I had one, one of my friends said, you must stop playing baseball because evidently baseball is a sport for pagans, I don't know, but, but it was just this mentality of do this, don't do this. That was the focus all the time, and I wanted to be with this group of people, but at the same time, you also got to be able to be free and breathe, 
And so oftentimes I would just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm out. I just can't, just can't do this. I'm out. But if you say you're out there, that means you're in somewhere else. You can't just be out in general. You're always going to be focusing on something or be somewhere. So I would go to the other end of the spectrum. I would go hang out with my party friends and, you know, drink on the weekends and stuff. And, and really what I learned from that is there really wasn't a lot of meaning or purpose beyond yourself in those environments. And you have to continue feeling something. When the focus is on the self, you have to continue feeling something. So I found myself drinking too much on the weekends. And that led to drinking too much during the week because you have to ramp up. You have to ramp up. You have to ramp up when it's about feeling something for yourself. So I remember about the age of 19 or 20 thinking, really, are these my two choices? I mean, is it really like religious snobbery, as I like to call it then, or secular meaninglessness? Are those really my two options? But here's what I realized through the Holy Spirit, I believe. These groups seem to be operating from opposite ends of the spectrum, but in reality, the type of lens that they were looking through was the exact same. See, when you really think about it, the most legalistic Pharisee of Jesus' day and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they actually line up very closely with the way that they think. Both thought that their actions, their doing, their body would ultimately get them where they needed to go. See, the legalist would say, if I do blank, God will be happy with me and I'll be where I need to be. But the Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the given to the body, all that, they would say, if I do blank, I'll live a fulfilled life and I'll be where I need to be. See that? Both are emphasizing the power of the doing. The power of being able to do enough to get them where they need to go. And that's really important to realize. The emphasis on the body, whether you're on this side of the spectrum or this side of the spectrum, is the same. So I always felt so discouraged all the time, thinking, is this it, really, these two options? But in reality, there's a third option. And this is what I feel like God revealed to me at about 19 or 20 years old. There's a third option that looks at the world through an entirely different lens, that subordinates what the body can actually get you, where the body can actually take you. See, anything that we do, whether it's religious or non-religious, nothing we do can bring life. And maybe some of you here this morning are thinking, man, if I just figure out the right thing to do, then that will really take off for me in my life. And let me save you some time and some heartache and say, that's just not true. It doesn't matter what you do leaving here, you will never be able to live a fulfilled life if the focus is on the doing. Now that's the bad news. <laughs> the good news, though, is that we can place all of our emphasis, all of our emphasis on doing, all of our emphasis on the body, on what Christ did with his body. That did, in fact, bring life. Now that's pivotal for us to realize. Because of what Christ has done with his body, that, in fact, did bring life. And so now the focus is not on do, it's on done. And that's the reality that we have. Christ did what we could never do. And he brought life with his doing. And so that's our focus. When we focus on the doing, we project that on what Christ has done and not what we can ourselves do. And that's what's so amazing about Jesus to me. I mean, one human, the God-man, 
as a lot of people like to call him, comes to the earth and with his doing brings life for all humanity. I mean, that's amazing. And that's something we could never do for ourselves or for other people. So we have to trust. We have to put all our trust, not in our doing, but in God's doing. And now that frees us from legalism. And it frees us from being a prisoner to our own sin and giving in to our own fleshly desires. See, things like legalism and holiness are vastly different. And we get those confused. Legalism would say, here's what you got to do to get in good with God. And that emphasis is on the body and what the body can do for you, what you're doing can accomplish. But in contrast, holiness is to act in accordance with what God has already done for us. That's a huge difference. That's a vast difference. One acts in order to gain position with God. The other acts because you've already been freely extended that position that you could never earn on your own. So important. So important. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. By his wounds, by his action, by his doing we have been healed. So now, what, how do we view the body, right? If the body can't get us where we need to go, how do we view the body. Well, we earn it, uh, look at it certainly as not something that can earn something for us or accomplish something, but as something that is to be put to death in terms of it being the primary decision maker over our lives. Now, that's critical because remember we talked about a couple weeks ago that um, in 1 John and Genesis 3, we looked at that there's really three primary ways that the enemy tempts us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, Right? One of those has to do with the heart. Two of those have to do with the body. And now that's crucial. So when we face temptation, often we can get in big trouble as Christians by our response to that temptation. We try to use the body to fight against the bodily temptations. And that's a huge, huge mistake. Remember we talked about 2 Corinthians 10. We, we demolish uh, imaginations from the enemy with what? Trying harder? Pushing through? No, 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 no. This is so crucial. It's through the knowledge of God. It's through the knowledge of God. So what we have to do is we have to understand that it's a fundamentally different fight than we realized. See, where it starts is not with what we do, but with what we know. That's crucial. That's crucial. Luke, throw up that slide with the circles on it real quick. See, this is our old life before Jesus. The body is the center. The fleshly desires, what we desire, all those things really are the center. And that forms our heart. That forms the things that we choose to think about. And that forms our perception of God. But then in our new life, if you flip to the next one, it's flipped completely backwards. It's the knowledge of God, first and foremost, that we focus on. And that forms our mind, and that banks into our structures and functions, and, and really becomes who we are. And then our body acts as an overflow of what is in the heart. That's so important for us to realize. See, we don't fight against temptation with our body. We move the fight to the knowledge of God. That's crucial. 
And oftentimes what we try to do is we just say, man, I just, I gotta, I gotta fight, I gotta overcome this, I gotta just do better, I can't, you know, I can't stay where I am, I just gotta get it together, right? But the reality is everything has been flipped in the life of a believer. The body has now been subordinated, and it takes orders, not gives orders. That's huge. It gets its orders from the knowledge of God, first and foremost. The knowledge of God forms everything else. It starts with the knowledge of God, which forms our minds, things we think about, which banks into our brain and our structures and functions to form our heart, and everything else flows from that. Romans seven twenty-two. I'm just going to read through the end of the chapter. It says this. It says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, talking about the body, another law waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So highlight that last part. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. That's it right there. That's so important. See, the battle is not to say, what do I do in these moments? The battle really is, does my mind take orders from my body, or does my body take orders from my mind, which is then fixated on the knowledge of God? The battle is in the mind with the knowledge of God. Um. Jordan Peterson, he's a clinical psychologist in Canada. He was doing a lecture one time, and he had an audience, and he was taking questions, and the audience member said, um, Dr. Peterson, I'm struggling to, to gain weight. I can't, just, I can't keep weight on. What should I do? And uh, Jordan said, uh, he said something like, okay, every morning, eat breakfast. Start your day with food. That's the first thing you need to do. Start your day with food. He said, well, what if I'm not hungry? And Dr. Peterson said, well, that's not really relevant, is it? And the audience just started laughing at that. Because that's kind of where we are in our culture, aren't we? That how could you say no to your body? Your body is saying, don't do something. So how could you just go against that and do that? But that's the point. And that's why it's so crucial in the life of a believer To say, no, 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 it's not my body that's going to form everything else. It's the knowledge of God that my mind fixates on that's going to form everything else. It it goes back to what we've already talked about in this series. We've got to get that order right. So then, when the enemy tries to tempt us with the body, we can very simply say, you know what, let me go check on that. Because I don't make those decisions anymore, my body doesn't make those decisions anymore, so I'm going to need to go up the chain of command... And I'm going to go need to go ask the knowledge of God first. So if the enemy tempts you with, let's say, lusting after somebody, you can say, I, gotta, I, I can't make that decision. My body doesn't get to make that decision anymore. It's the knowledge of God. And in, in fact, now I've checked with the knowledge of God. And, and I know that he's a good father who wants really good things for his kids. And that won't bring me into life experiencing purpose and meaningfulness and deep relationships. So the answer has to be no. That's the battle plan. And guys, we're going to mess this up time and time again. And that's why we need God's grace to saturate 
over our lives. But this is the blueprint from 2 Corinthians 10 and Romans 7. is to say, focus on the knowledge of God. That's where the decisions are made. And no matter what that temptation is, we can just say, yeah, yeah, there are better things for me. God has better things for me than that thing that you're tempting me with. I no longer think narrowly like, like animals do. You know, just give in to whatever it is that I, I want in that moment. I take a step back and I just say, what is the knowledge of God? Because that's going to form everything else that I do. Romans 12, 2, um, very common passage. And I think Terry even read this Wednesday night. But it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now see those two differences right there. One is the pattern of the world. That's the lifestyle. That's the things that the world does. That's the focus on the outward action. How do you combat that? It says right here, not by transforming your patterns, although ultimately your patterns ought to transform, but it's by The renewing of your mind, the mind being transformed, that's where it starts. And that's why we got to ask ourselves the question, is it my body leading or is it the mind leading? So very important. Now, even though the body is subordinated in the life of a believer, the body is still extremely important. Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You remember the the emphasis in the Old Testament on sort of the holiness of the Old Testament temples? You remember just how sacred the temples were? I think we would be wise to treat our bodies just that same way. To say, if if our body is now the temple of God... Man, we really ought to consider what that means for us and how we treat our bodies. But again, the important thing to note is that the thing that was helpful, the thing that was good about the temple is not the size of the temple. Remember Solomon's temple was big and elegant and all these things, right? And then the temple that was rebuilt in the time of Haggai was smaller but but was not less impactful. In fact, Haggai tells us that it was more impactful than the previous one. Why? Because God dwelled there. That's the important thing. That's what we got to realize. It's not about the body. It's about God dwelling in our body. The focus is on God. The thing that's good about what's in us is God's Holy Spirit within us. That's the thing. That's the thing. And that's what changes us. That's the thing that we've got to focus on. He being in us. And guys, relief for our souls does not come... Through our body, through our desires, it comes when we submit those things under God and we focus on Him. Everything at the end of the day is about Him. Everything at the end of the day is about Him. And we live in such a culture that would say, no, 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 it's me, me, me. I mean, uh, how does this apply to me? How can I pull this into my life? How can I, no, no, no. Let's submit that, everything, under God and say, it's about God. Guys, the Bible is not about us. It is about God, a faithful and good God that we have. And our body is under new management. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we are no longer masters of our own bodies even. It's not my body anymore. It's not my choice anymore. That has been submitted under God. 
And now that's a crazy thing to say today in our culture, but it's so true. That now our bodies have been subordinated and now we just say yes to whatever God has for us. Romans 6, 6 says this. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Guys, that's the good news. And when I grew up, man, so many times I would just hear like legalism from kids around me and it would just it weighed you down. But the reality is exactly the opposite. That when we give up ourselves, we are actually being invited into ultimate freedom. An ultimate life when we just let go of our lives. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's possible for us to live in freedom by just saying, God, this is your temple, this is your life. Whatever you desire from me, you can have it. God, I put all my stock in your doing, in Christ's broken body on the cross, and the knowledge of that reality is what forms everything from here forward, from here forward. And that's how we submit our bodies under love of God. Worship team, you guys can come, go ahead and come back forward. Um, as we close our time, I did want to honor somebody with you real quick. Uh, I've told some of you about this. Morgan's grandmother, uh, her name's Susie Pratt, she uh, hasn't been doing well. Her body has just gone really downhill really quickly the past few weeks. And um, she lost the ability to speak the other day, uh, a few days ago. And we don't really know what's going to happen. Doctors seem to think she doesn't have a whole lot of time and everything like that. But, but before she lost the ability to speak, she said this to Morgan. She said, uh, she said, I'm either going to be with Jesus or I'm going to live for him here. Those are two pretty wonderful options, don't you think? You know, when people get to the end of their lives, they see pretty clearly. And Susie, she, ever since I've known her, she's seen pretty clearly but when you get to the end of your life, you, you sort of realize that legalism never really could get you anywhere. That the body is so weak and so fragile and so temporary that, that you can't really earn anything with your body. But you also realize that everything belongs to Him. Your time on earth, your time in eternity... Every breath that you've had in your lungs, every smile that you've had, every moment with your family, everything has just been such a gift from God. And we just say, God, we, we give our lives to you, and we just want to see good things. And we know, and we can trust you with results, whether it's my time or you've got more time for me on the earth, I know you've got good plans. And everything will be okay. In fact, everything will be good as long as he's involved. And we can have that same confidence as we leave here today. As we just say, yes, God, my body is yours. Do with it what you desire. We'll get to see special things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that, you know, when we... When we're struggling with different things, you know, and we're just like, man, I, I just don't know where to turn. Like, we open up the book, and, and you guide us. You direct us. You move us forward. You move us into the knowledge of yourself and the knowledge of your son. And, and we're just so thankful 
that you're so active in our lives. Father, I pray that you will just uh, saturate our hearts during this time of worship. Help us to see you in a new way. If there are people struggling, man, they're just, you know, they're trying to fight these things and they just keep fighting. Help, help us to be a people who just release those things and just say, God, I'm turning back to the knowledge of you. I, I'm turning back to you and I just whatever you say, I just say yes to it. I mean, maybe my, my marriage is struggling and maybe... Maybe I just, you know, I just don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do, man. Just help form our hearts and our minds after you. Help everything to start and end with you. Because we know that's where life is found anyway. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need to respond, um, come to the altar, pray with somebody, whatever you need to do, this is your time to worship.